And, and so tonight what I want to do is I want to, I want to challenge us a little bit as a church. And did I, I didn't turn this on yet, did I? All right, I got it on now. I want to challenge us as a church in, uh, in looking at a thought here uh, from the Word of God. And we're going to go a couple of places, and I need you to go with me to them as we look at these things. And then, then we're going to come together, and we're, just, we're going to have a time of invitation. But then after that, we're going to close out tonight in prayer together. You say, preacher, we've been doing a lot of praying. We ain't doing near enough. And, and this is not pointing fingers. This, there, there's, there's as much pointing back at me as anybody. If we truly, honestly were burdened for genuine revival, I'm not saying that we're not burdened, but if we were truly, honestly burdened to the furthest extent that we ever could be with a do-or-die attitude concerning revival, it must be or, or, or it, it, it's over. If it was that kind of scenario for us, May I say there wouldn't have been a night in the last month that we did not beg for the doors to be open in the church so I can just be at the altar praying, please. And I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm not trying to be a downer on us. I'm trying to challenge us. And I, I'm in the same boat as everybody else. We're busy. Got everything going on. Trust me, this week is packed full uh, of stuff going on. My brain's in 15 different places, even while I'm trying to preach. But if it was a, a genuine make it or break it feeling in my heart, do or die feeling of revival in my heart, you wouldn't be able to tear me away from the altar. You wouldn't be able to pull me away from time with the Lord because it would be as, and I'm not going there, but uh, remember the time of when Jacob wrestled with the Lord. And I guess I could have gone there, but that's not what the Lord gave me until just now. But when you think about it, when he wrestled with the Lord, the Lord was the, trying to get away and he said, I, I will not let thee go. Not, can't do it. I can't do it. I will not let you go until you bless me. And they wrestled and they wrestled and they wrestled. You're talking about the most stubborn individual you've ever seen in your life. Imagine, imagine what the Lord must have experienced with this, this individual, by the way, who is less than perfect. Jacob had his problems. Prior, I mean, he hadn't, been, he hadn't been renamed to Israel yet. He's still the supplanter. He is still the one who, who do, does the mischievous and, 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 and the underhanded, okay? He's still that individual who just tricked his father-in-law, okay? So you're talking about somebody who's less than perfect, and yet he knew that he was at a point in life that um, without the Lord, he couldn't do it. And he held on for dear life. And said, I'm not letting go until you bless me. I, in other words, I'm not letting go until you promise not to leave me. If we were that desperate, it would shake our world. And I'm not trying to be down. I'm just trying to challenge us. So do, do this with me. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 10. Jeremiah chapter 10. And I, I will try to be timely with this. I'm not, not trying to, to preach an entire message, but more just a challenge. 
Jeremiah chapter 10, verse number 23 and 24. I want to bring, bring you a thought entitled this. The plight and plea of mankind. All right, the plight and plea of mankind. Jeremiah 10, verse 23 and 24 Y'all be ready, we're going to go to Ecclesiastes and Isaiah and even revisit a little bit of Romans real quick. But Jeremiah 10, verse number 23 and 24 says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. And there, there's the plight, there is the, there's just the honest truth about it. Men are always trying to make their own way, direct their own steps. And here Jeremiah is laid out and said, it is, it is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. The honest truth is, we can't do it. That's the trouble. That's the plight. That's the problem. Verse number 24, O Lord, Listen to what he says. Oh, Lord, correct me. But with judgment. He's asking the judge of all the earth, the righteous judge. Much like the psalmist said, search me, O God. Try me. He says, O Lord, correct me, but with judgment. Not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. What he's saying is, Lord, I can't do it. I know I can't do it. I can't figure it out. I can't make it. I, I, I can't work it out. No matter what plans I put together, they're never good enough to really get me where I'm desiring to go. It can look good for a while, but my steps will never be directed properly unless they come from you. And Lord, I just need you to correct me. I need you to put judgment on my life. I need you to, may I say in a sense, Lord, I need you to put me on the scale and show me where I'm found wanting. Weigh me out. Judge me. But don't do it in your anger. That's what he says. Not in thine anger, Lord. Not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. He says, I know, Lord, if you give me what I deserve, if you give me according to the frustration I must cause for you, I'm not going to survive it. So not in your anger, Lord, but out of your love and genuine concern and desire for me, would you correct me and put me on your scales and help me so that I might see the path I should take. The plight and the plea of man is somewhat discouraging as we look at it, but it's convicting mostly. Let me pray, and then we're just going to look at, at, at three basic things here. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. I pray that you'd help us as we look at this thought. Would you challenge us? Would you begin to prepare our hearts to be Set on you, would you help our desires be focused towards you? Lord, would you place 
a hunger and a thirst within us that cannot be quenched and cannot be satisfied apart from you. Would you help us tonight as only you can in Christ's name? Amen. The psalmist said in Psalm 86.1, he said, Bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. May I say that that is the situation for every single one of us tonight. We are poor and needy. And I understand many times when the Bible talks about being poor and needy, it, it's talking, in, in, in many cases, it's talking about the poor and needy, the ones who literally don't have anything in physical aspects. But in, in this particular case as well, he is, he is just laying out where he is in and of himself. He is poor and needy. We, as a people, you and I, those of us here right now, if we were to examine ourselves, we would have to say it kind of this way. Lord, I'm pathetic and empty. When I really examine myself, no matter how full I think I am, oftentimes, Lord, my problem is, I'm too full of that which should not be in me, and I'm too empty of that which should be in me. We are poor and needy. Why, why do we need God to meet with us? May I say, it's not just in a special meeting that we need God to meet with us. We need God to meet with us every single day. We need God to meet with us every time we come together. Um, I, I think sometimes we sell ourselves short when we come together and we have service and we, we enjoy the fellowship with each other, but we go through the motions with God. And we have, and, and as a preacher, you get up and you preach and you pour out what God has given you. Uh, and, and as a whole, we're going through the motions of that which we know is right to do. But we're not grabbing a hold of him saying, I'm not leaving until you promise to go with me. We're okay to come to church, hear good preaching, be stirred in the moment, and then go home, not really change that much from how it was when we came. And it, it is a sentence on the life of every single one of us, may I say. We're all guilty of it at times. There are days we come in and God moves in our heart and we respond and boy, we walk out feeling like burdens have been lifted because we laid them at Calvary. And boy, it's been good. We walked, man, I'd love to feel like this every single day. May I say, it's only because of us that we don't. We're kind of, we're, we're like junkies. If I'm, in, if I'm in need of a fix, I come and get my fix. And it's, oh, man, I feel so much better. And we're good until the next time we need a fix. We're not supposed to treat God like a junkie treats a needle and a, and a feel good. We have the opportunity to live in the presence of a holy God. We have the opportunity to live and dwell in the atmosphere of God working and leading and guiding and, and, and bringing conviction that, by the way, does not feel good, but at the same time feel, feels good. 
thank you, Lord, for caring. Thank you for bringing conviction. Boy, Lord, thank you for not letting me just hold on to that, but you just literally just kept grinding away at me until I finally said, okay, Lord, okay, okay, okay. Because it feels so good to go ahead and say, I'm guilty. But if we can bear it, we keep it. If we can live with it, we stick with it. When God desires that we lay it all at his feet and live what a child of God has the privilege and honor to live, and that is knowing him in a way as though he was face-to-face with me every single day, he can be that friend that sticketh closer than a brother, but he's right there, our heavenly father, Jesus Christ, his son, our savior. It's the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within it. It's all the ability for God to be as real every single moment as he has been in those small moments we've experienced walking with him and talking with him. We tend to sell ourselves short. Because we don't grab a hold and say, I'm not letting go. Go with me to Ecclesiastes. Let me show you, I'm going to show you the plight and plea as seen through Solomon, Isaiah, and then Paul. I'm going to try to move quickly. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. So it's Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Songs, Proverbs, then Ecclesiastes, all right? Ecclesiastes chapter 1, listen, listen to the first four verses here, which it, this is the fairly familiar part, uh, uh, but I'll show you some more. You ready? Here we go. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Who is this? Solomon. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man in all his labor which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. He's just mentioning the fleeting breath of man, but but a vapor. It's what life is. Go to chapter 2. Look at chapter 2. I'll read several verses here. Listen to what he says about his life, what he did, what he accomplished, all the things he went after. Listen to what he says. Verse number 1 of chapter 2, Ecclesiastes. says, I said in mine heart, go to now, I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? In other words, he tried to give himself joy, and it just brought misery. I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting my, uh, my, mine heart with wisdom and, and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was that good for the sons of men which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. In other words, I, I see what everybody else is doing. I thought, I'm going to try that too. I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards and planted trees in them and of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. 
Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Gave myself everything I wanted. And was all said and done. I was more miserable for all the stuff and all the greatness and all the wonders of what everybody else wished they could have or the ones that encouraged me because they did have. Every single bit of it was a waste. It did nothing but make me more miserable because it never satisfied Go with me very quickly, same book, but over chapter 12. Here at the end of the entire book of Ecclesiastes, comes to a conclusion, starting in verse number 7. It says, then shall, now he goes through a whole bunch of stuff, and now, now he's dealing with what every individual faces. Unless the Lord comes back, every individual faces death. So he said in verse number seven, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. And he's talking about when he dies. <laughs> and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. Talking about those who belong to the Lord. Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still sought the people, uh, uh, ta taught the people knowledge Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preachers sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. And further, by these, my son, be admonished, of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil what's the conclusion vanity of vanities all is vanity what's the conclusion the whole matter in the end after all that he had he said there's only really one thing that matters fear God keep his commandments
for this is the whole duty of man. The plight and the plea seen through Solomon. Very quickly, go with me to Isaiah 5. I got to hurry, Isaiah 5. We know this pretty well. This is not a hard uh, place to see uh, what goes on, but Isaiah 5, I'm just going to read some of it. I don't know where I'm going to stop on this, but starting in verse number 8, Isaiah 5, starting in verse number 8, we can read all the way down to verse number 25. It's all the woes that are mentioned. Just listen to some of them real quick as Isaiah speaks of the woes unto God's people. Woe unto them that join house to house, that lay field to field uh, till there be no place, that they may uh, be placed alone in the midst of the earth. In mine ears, said the Lord of hosts, of a truth, many houses shall be desolate, even great and fair, without inhabitant. Yea, ten acres of vineyard shall uh, yield one bath, and the seed of, of an omer shall yield an ephah. Not time to go into all of that, but he's just talking about the plight here of the woes. Woe unto them, verse number 11, woe unto them uh, that, are, that rise up early in the morning, uh, that they may follow strong drink that continue until night, till wine inflame them. And the harp and the vial and the uh, tabard and pipe and wine are in their feasts, but they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of his hands. Therefore, my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. And their honorable men are uh, uh, famished and their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore, hell hath enlarged herself. And open her mouth without measure and their glory and their multitude and their pomp. And he that rejoices shall descend into it. Uh, you could skip down verse number 18. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin as it were with a cart rope. That say let him make speed and haste, hasten his work that we may see it. And let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come that we may know it. In other words, they're, they're just um, they're being facetious is what he's saying. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. That put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. By the way, that, it, that right there is the epitome of self-righteousness. You don't have to be a church-going Christian to receive the label of self-righteous. There's a whole bunch of wicked people in the world that are self-righteous. They deem themselves righteous in their own eyes. What does it say? Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. I know what I can do. I know what I should do. I know what's best for me. That, that's arrogance. Arrogance. I'm going to stop right there. Let me go over. That, that, that's the plight. He's, he's just given woe after woe after woe after woe. But then comes chapter 6. See, Isaiah was the prophet. Isaiah was the preacher. Isaiah was receiving the word of the Lord to preach to the people of God. And Isaiah was preaching it with great conviction. And then chapter 6 comes along. Verse number 1. In the year that King Uzziah died. Now get, understand, he just finished preaching a 
Woe unto you, you hypocrites. He, he, just, he just got finished preaching to the people. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Remember the, the, the message you just got done preaching? The 15 woes of the people? Then said I, woe is me. For I am undone. Here, here's, here's the preacher, the prophet, the one with the word from God. And he has preached it with fire. And then God says, let me show you who I am. First, I'm going to remove what you got in the way between me and you. I'm going to take it out of the way so you stop looking to a man, and you begin to look to me. So God removes Uzziah, kills him. I don't know if Uzziah had other reasons for why he needed to die. All I do know, one big reason was God did it to get Isaiah to see him. And when Isaiah sees the Lord, he sees what's before the Lord. He sees all that's there. Immediately he sees himself and his response is not, Oh, you people are in trouble. Uh-uh. Isaiah says, Woe is me, for I am undone. And then he brings reality even more. He says, Because I am a man of unclean lips. <laughs> who, who am I? Who am I to... Share the holy word of God. May I say, I've preached a message on, on Isaiah out of this passage before. I think Isaiah was a little prideful because this hits him hard. I think Isaiah thought that he was the man of God with the word of God. All of a sudden, it's hitting him. I'm not worthy to speak his words. I am a man of unclean lips. And here he goes. He's about to lower himself to say, and he's just like everyone he just finished preaching to. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He equates his issue with their issue. All the same. We're in the same level. He said, for mine eyes have seen the king, of, the, the, king the Lord of hosts. Isaiah got a very major wake-up call, and he saw his plight. I am undone. But it's because he saw it, and he desired God to help him fix it. We later see, just a, just a few verses later, after the Lord, he hears the Lord say, Who am I? Uh, who, 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 who shall I send and who will go for us? And, and, and what happened was 
God had already, I believe fully, God had already been, uh, been asking the question, been asking the question, but Isaiah never heard it because Isaiah was focused on everything but God. He never heard God asking. He never heard God uh, requesting. He never heard God presenting the need. He never heard God lay out before him what's really going on. He got a message and a word from God to share, but he never heard God speaking to him for him personally. And then all of a sudden, Uzziah dies. His eyes get fixed on God. He sees who he is. He's distraught over his plight. He's been, Lord, what am I going to do? Help me. And in that moment, in that time, all of a sudden, Isaiah hears God say, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And his first thing is me. I want to be the one. He already knows he's not worthy. He already knows he has nothing to say and nothing to do of his own. But now he's saying, Lord, just use me. I'll make myself available. You got to do the work. You got to do the fixing. You got you to make it possible. But Lord, I'll make myself available. The plight and the plea. Lastly, Romans chapter 7. We don't have to go over this much. I'm not going to repeat everything we've already dealt with before. But I'll give you this and we're done. We're going to close out. Romans chapter 7, though, we've already looked at it once. If I can find it in my Bible, we'll be okay. Right, thank, thank you, appreciate that. Romans chapter 7, and we see 18 through 24. He says, I know that, that, is in, that at in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Skip down to verse number 24, and we saw before, we, we, we just recently went over this. He, he declared in that moment of realizing that struggle and realizing his plight, he said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? May I say, church, the question can be not to rewrite Bible or change anything, but it can also be, labeled in this way for the child of God as a sinner how am I ever going to be forgiven well he says I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord we already dealt with he's he's pointing out where the salvation comes from but may I say the same thing is true for the child of God oh wretched people that we are who will deliver us from this mediocre desire to live for God Who's going to deliver me from the excuses I make for why I can't do what I know I should do for the Lord? Woe is me, for I am undone. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who's going to help me do what I cannot? Same answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm not letting go until you do something, Lord, in my life. And even then, once you do it, I don't have to worry about letting go because we'll just be stuck together permanently. 
When I'm talking about salvation, I'm talking about a child of God who just holds on for dear life because we can't make it in this life without him. The, the, you, know, you know the song, I need thee every hour? Matter of fact, that might be a good one just to, to use for invitation. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. Psalm 40, verse 16 and 17 says this. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy. Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarry. Oh my God. And the words hasten to me. Don't tarry. I'm going to ask Miss Wanda and, and Brother Rife to come. Maybe this evening, and this is this has just been the burden of my heart. We have to want God to do something in us and for us individually so bad. Lord, I will not let go. You could also go to the, the song, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. We could look at that one too. <laughs> While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. I'm grabbing a hold and I ain't letting go. You can't get by. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. If we needed God like we needed a breath of air. If we needed God like we need oxygen or we're going to die. He might actually do something that would surprise us. And that goes for me too. Heavenly Father, just take this time.